I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hello, and welcome to episode 123. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. We wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons who are supporting us with the price of a cup of coffee every month and Pet Sitters Associates for making this show possible. Thank you so much. You probably heard, but in case you didn't, last week, Walmart announced it was adding pet services and it has a partnership now with Rover. So some things you need to know about that. They now offer pet insurance through Pet Plan, and I believe it gives clients 10% off if they shop at Walmart and buy the insurance. They also have an in-store veterinarian. They have a pet pharmacy, which I believe they launched last year, and offer dog walking, boarding, daycare, and drop-in checks through the Rover platform. And if you arrange services through Rover and you're a Walmart customer, you will get a $20 Walmart gift card for the first completed service and another $20 Walmart gift card if they complete their fifth service within six months. But why was right now the time they decided to make that move? Well, I think that with so many people getting pets during the pandemic and really adoption rates going through the roof, Walmart is hoping to capitalize on the 90 million of their customers that are also pet parents. So if you're not currently on Rover and you don't have listings on there, there is the potential here for this kind of partnership to drive the reputation and brand recognition of Rover through the roof. So right now, there are about 265 million people who go into a Walmart every single week across their over 1,100 stores. So this is just more uh, advertising that's going to be pumped into the Rover platform. And now partnering with Ro- with Walmart, those billions of ad dollars are going to be driving a lot behind this because what we're really talking about here is brand recognition and trustworthiness. We talked a little bit about this on a recent episode back on episode 113, talking about the gig economy and pet care though. Yeah, so it's going to be tough for small pet businesses to really compete with that. You can't compete with their ad dollars. You can't compete with, you know, their brand, their national, international brand recognition. And so we talked about in that episode 113 about how a survey of 100 pet parents who used Rover thought that the sitters had essentially the same credentials as a pet care small business. And so this partnership with Walmart and Rover will likely increase that 100-fold. No matter if you like them or not, Walmart is a trusted big box name. And yes, there have been some issues with Rover sitters and credentials and all of that. But as we found out in that survey, the pet parent doesn't really know the difference. So this partnership is really going to, of course, elevate the pet care industry, which is a good thing. We all want to be busier. We all want to have pet sitters be the the forefront of pet owners' minds. But at the same time, it's really going to put a gap between the small pet business and potential clients. Yeah, well, and if you already are on the Rover platform or you have listings there, with this kind of uh, marketing out there, expect to see a lot more competition on that platform. Yeah, so you might be busier, but there will also be a lot of people trying to get on the platform and trying to differentiate themselves from all of the other sitters. You may remember back in 2013, 
when Rover inked a partnership with Petco. This is very similar to that. However, Rover is an even bigger platform now, and Walmart is the biggest name in grocery stores. So where does all this kind of leave us right now as pet business owners? Well, I know that this was really being talked about a lot in all of the pet care Facebook groups, and because basically Walmart is seen as this cheap grocery store, and some were saying that their target client doesn't shop at Walmart anyway, so this won't really affect them. And that may be true, but I think about all of those clients and pet businesses in small and rural towns like we are in, where Walmart is basically the, <laughs> the, only, <laughs> the only option to only, shop in. Yeah. And, and I would venture to say that probably 80% of our clients shop at Walmart, if not more than that. Even though they might not initially want to, it might not be their first choice. It's There are two grocery stores in a nearby, and it's Walmart or another one. And you're just going to go to Walmart because it's easy. Well, and it has everything. The other grocery store doesn't stock everything. Exactly. So if you're already shopping there, now you're seeing banners for dog walking, boarding, and all of these other services while you're there. It's just another one-stop shop for you. But this doesn't mean that our clients and our prices are cheap. I don't think they are. We've been turned down several times because our prices are not what people wanted. So I agree that it's a different clientele completely from Walmart shoppers to Whole Foods shoppers or, or whatever you're trying to compare. But it's something you definitely need to consider and check in on if you have a Walmart in your area. I think what this boils down to a lot of is trying to think of, should we be worried about this? And I would say no. I would say no. Um, I, I like that there are more ad dollars to raising the awareness of pet sitting in the United States. That when we look at as people become more aware of what the possibilities are, that raises everybody. Now, when if you're not on Rover, what do you have to do then? You have to try and piggyback on that rising boat. Look at the services you're offering. Check out your your current prices. And then look across your current clientele and see, are there some people who are going to be leaving me for this? Or how do I set myself apart with this and make my services as easy to find, as easy to activate, as easy to share photos, as as easy to book? All of those things. And, And those don't cost a lot. Well, and I was also going to say, we've mentioned this before, but how do you compete with Rover and WAG and now this partnership with Walmart as a small business? Right. You don't. Yep. Because you have different clientele, you have potentially different services that you're offering, and you're bringing your personal value and your experience into this. I think now is a good time to take a break before we dive into our main topic and tell you about something that's awesome. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they have provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. If you want to make your passion for pets into a profession, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote today at PetsitLLC.com. You can get a discount when joining by clicking Membership Pet Sitter Confessional and using the code CONFESSIONAL at checkout to get $10 off today. Check out the membership benefits and insurance once again at PetsitLLC.com. So today's main topic is all about daycare. So as many of you know, we provide daycare in our home and boarding kennel-free. It's home-based with training reinforcement, if that's what the client wants, and specialized care. 
We keep our numbers really small to stay in line with our insurance and other regulations. Yeah. We, we recently did a very interesting stay where we were doing daycares five days a week for this adorable little dachshund who had lost complete bladder control and actually needed her bladder expressed. And so we, we worked with the client. We worked up a, a schedule for her when she was over here. Um, and so that was a, a, a type of specialized care that we were able to provide. You know, we also are able to provide medications um, if the dog requires those. And we do take on dogs with mild separation anxiety. Um, so we try and screen for that. We ask a lot of questions around separation anxiety, especially now with COVID and the number of dogs that we're seeing, whether they're brand new puppies or maybe they're older dogs that are now very used to their, their, their owners being around all the time. We have put in questions about separation anxiety and how they deal with that, how that manifests with them. And so we can accommodate mild separation anxiety. Anything beyond that, we start recommending drop-in visits and, and multiple walks to help alleviate that. We have definitely seen a lot of pandemic puppies, though. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of adorable golden doodles. Yes. <laughs> we have found that in our area, the clients interested in daycares would be okay with a midday walk, but they would really rather have their pet around people and other dogs throughout the day. They aren't really looking for an exhausted dog at the end of the day most times. They're really just looking for their dog to be socialized and loved on, yeah. which we are happy to do. <laughs> as, are, as are the kids. Right? Our couch is their couch. Yeah. If, if you are primarily a dog walker, providing daycares can be a little tricky. It, it may be an option if you're able to come home and check in on the dog frequently because, again, Typically, people who want daycare want their dog to be socialized either around other dogs or people and to be played with. Yeah, they don't really like the idea of them being left alone. So if you have a spouse or a significant other who can stay with them, that's really ideal because it's, it's really hard to manage both dog walking during the midday, especially if you're gone for four or five hours at a time, yeah. and daycare as well to make sure that the dogs are okay and safe and not fighting while you're gone. Right. So when we're doing walks or drop-ins, one of us is staying home while the other is going out and doing those. If you are thinking about providing daycare services, you really need to think about what kind of daycare you want to or you can provide. Right. The options are really limitless here. So you can see where the biggest demand is in your city or your town. If you have a lot of land with a fence, you can consider marketing to an off-leash exploration daycare, which would be really cool. I think a lot of clients would like that. Yeah. It would be suited well for very active dogs or owners who like the idea of their dogs going on an adventure. Yeah. Again, here with when we're talking about marketing for daycare, you need to be considering both the needs of the pet and the perceptions of the owner and what they want for the pet and working to find a happy medium there. Some owners may want their dog just loved on, and but their dog needs to be going on large exploration and getting out all of their energy. So have those discussions with your client up front about what you are able to provide and what is actually going to be a best fit for them. Well, and obviously have that displayed on your website so, and social media very clearly. Yeah. You could focus on the home-based and provide a quieter atmosphere for older dogs or dogs with special needs. That is very needed because a lot of people don't do that. Or you can just do a daycare for puppies and tire them out, play with puppies all day and get them socialized from a really young age. That is very important now with COVID people staying home all day, their dogs not getting socialization, their dogs not getting out and going for a walk, have some sensory stimulation. 
and not being around other dogs and other people. Right. So if you don't have special training in puppies and puppy behavior and the types of exercise that puppies need, now is a really, really good time to be doing that and start marketing almost as a preemptive step for pet owners. You know, Maybe they are working from home and they don't really see a need currently because they're not traveling or being long days at work. Saying, look, if we start doing this kind of service right now, it will prevent separation anxiety in the future. It will prevent a lot of behavioral problems that could come up. So almost as a, again, as a preventative measure, go ahead and do this for the for you and your dog. Well, and it also emphasizes that it really helps the sitter out too. If you're going to be boarding this dog and the dog's never been right. away, you want to do trial daycares or a trial night stay before this dog is, comes over for 10 days or whatever, because <laughs> you don't want to be left with a dog pawing at your door, you know, and whining. Yeah, but that's this holistic approach to the care that you're trying to provide here. You can say, look, the socializing is going to help when you need to board your dog in the future, or when you need to take your dog to the vet, or whenever you have guests around. Talk to them about this holistic approach, about the whole lifestyle of the dog in the future life of the dog as you were talking to them about why daycares can be so beneficial, especially for puppies. Another option is you don't have to specialize in, <laughs> in any type of dog or service at all. You can just take any pup. And obviously you need to screen them first to make sure that they're going to fit in with your existing pack. Now you may be thinking, now does my space actually work for this? So this is the other half of this is whether you want to versus whether you can do this. So we love the dog gurus. We had Robin Bennett on back on episode 97, and they recommend 100 square foot per dog. And that's for both your home and your yard area. So definitely take that into consideration when you're trying to figure out what kind of daycare you're able to provide and that you want to provide too. Because if you don't have a large space, you're not going to be able to provide a a large uh, exercise area with lots of activities and lots of obstacle courses and running for them. You may have to focus more on the home-based, quieter atmosphere approach. Brushing up on some basics and training is important and providing training options or at least training reinforcement, especially for those puppies. They really need it. So assess what you have available to you and what you want to be doing. Obviously, don't do things you don't want to be doing in your business and look at what your market is lacking and then fill it. Start with asking your existing customers if they'd be interested in a boarding option or a daycare option and what they'd like. Will you provide daycare five days a week or seven days a week? That's a really big question because it sounds appealing and you may try and figure out where that need is. But you know, you also need to have space for you, especially if we're considering we're doing this in your home and you may need to find that space and that that time where it's just you and not having dogs around. And and on that thinking about how many dogs you are going to allow in your home. Check with your local laws and especially your insurance. Check both your business insurance and your homeowner's insurance. You want to make sure that if a dog chews through your wall, that it's covered. And that does happen. (laughs) Or if a client is walking down your steps in the winter and slips and falls, if they go ahead and sue you, it could land on your homeowner's insurance. So work with an agent to make sure you're covered for that. Typically, there is a writer you can add if you have a home-based business. I know we like to have a little bit of structure to our day with the dogs that we have in daycare. So typically, when the dogs come over in the morning, it's an open play atmosphere where we provide toys and enrichment and play opportunities for them. 
And then in the afternoons, we have a quiet time where the house just gets real quiet. Most of this because the kids go down for a nap, but the dogs get into that same routine as well. And then in the afternoon, we do more open play and focus on enrichment and training if the dogs need that for that time. So really here, keep in mind that the more you're able to focus on what you're able to offer, on what strengths you have, both in your abilities and the space that you have access to, the more you're able to focus that, the better you'll be able to market your services to the people in your area. When starting or running a daycare, you need to be able to think about how you will screen the dogs. At the meet and greet, if you will do a trial daycare, you always want to make sure that you do slow introductions. Decide what dogs you are willing to take. Big ones, small ones, any dog. Will you accept any and all with certain histories or backgrounds? Um, Those are good questions to ask. Is any form of food aggression okay? From a little bit to you have to separate this dog completely, which is always a good idea anyway, so that nothing, no fights ever break out. Will you take unaltered dogs? Are they housebroken? Will you only take housebroken dogs? Or is that something you're able to work on during the day? Do they know any commands? What kind of separation anxiety do they have? These are all great questions to ask during the meet and greet. So during the meet and greet, after you've met them, gotten to know them, ask their questions, you've, you've assessed the dog and you've done this initial verbal screening, consider doing a trial introduction to a very small number of dogs If you have them in your house and only introduce them to dogs that you know really well, that you have a long history and a lot of experience with, Um, the way we handle this, we always introduce our own dog to the new dog that we're meeting. Kobe is amazing at this step. He is really such an asset to us and, and during this process because a lot of times the owners may be a little uneasy about what's going to take place. As soon as we get Kobe out and they see their dog interacting with him, it changes the whole tenor sometimes if they're not quite sure about what they're expecting. So we use this step to look at body language and that immediate reaction of the new dog. Any signs of aggression or fear are noted. And then we, d- we talk about that with the owner. We talk about what just happened and what we're seeing and what that means to us. Because a lot of times the owner doesn't even know how to interpret their own dog's reaction. And so that's a great conversation starter. Other than one or two dogs, it's really important at the meet and greet to not introduce the entire pack and overwhelm the dog and the owner. Absolutely. So do not take that step lightly. Daycares can see a lot of new dogs coming and going. Really lay out exactly what you want and keep detailed notes about each dog so that you can avoid any problems. This also helps whenever you have these kind of notes because as you get new clients and you have existing clients who are rebooking, You can have notes about what dogs get along with other dogs and what groups are or may not work or what problems you may expect to see so that ahead of time, you can say, ooh, today's not a good day for them to come over because this other dog that they don't get get along with is here. So how about the next day or, or work out something like that? As with any part of your pet care business, setting boundaries is one of the most important things you can do. Think about when your drop-off and pickup times will be. Many choose to have set times during the day. You may drop your dog off in this two-hour window in the morning and pick them up in this two-hour window in the afternoon. And it makes it a lot easier to schedule and know what to expect every day. Then you can have early and late fees if someone needs to go earlier or longer than that. We personally have decided not to have set times 
we find that most people typically want the same general times, you know, 8 a.m., 5 p.m., 8 a.m., 6 p.m., and they really, we really only get infrequent, really early or really late times, which honestly, we're pretty fine to do since we're home most days anyway. To prevent any surprises of people showing up really early unannounced or uh, so that we're not just sitting around watching the front door whenever it's getting late, we have a camera on our front porch that is actually motion activated to send an alert to our phone. Again, so we're not sitting around waiting for people to show up or we're not surprised when they show up 15 minutes early. Yeah, we can just go about making dinner and watch the camera just fine. So what you don't want is people just showing up at random times. And we actually had this happen once. <laughs> a potential client never mentioned that she needed us after an initial contact. She just showed up to drop her dog off to that day, thinking it was just a traditional daycare service where she could just show up without a booking, which is pretty crazy because we had taken her on a tour of our house during the meet and greet. We had explained our process to her and she still thought we were a traditional daycare. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. It was super awkward <laughs> and it really made us double down on making our boundaries clear in this area. It's a reminder that because you do have people coming and going, just lounging around in your pajamas, which as nice as it may sound, just isn't really an option during these drop-off and pickup times because sometimes people do run late and they don't tell you or sometimes they do show up early without telling you. But if that really annoys you, then you need to have a policy in place of please text me when you're 10 minutes away or 15 minutes away so that I can be ready. Have ways to separate dogs for emergencies or for feedings. Like I mentioned, you need to be separating dogs if you're feeding them a midday lunch have them in a kennel or have them outside or just have them in a separate room. This is very important for emergencies as well. Have a plan to remove dogs from bad situations and hold them safely until the owner can get there to pick them up. That could be a kennel or an extra room. We have an extra large kennel on hand in case we need to separate for an emergency. And then how will you handle it? Have a plan in place. Will you be able to keep dogs separated while you deal with a dog if he's been attacked? Will those dogs be okay if you have to leave to take them to the ER? Daycare facilities obviously don't have to worry about this since there's typically more than one person supervising the dogs, but what if you have to evacuate your house? Do you have a way to transport the dog safely to a safer location nearby? I mentioned this in a previous episode, but making sure that all the collars and the leashes are in one central location and not spread out through your house so that they are quick to grab if you need them in an emergency. So because you have so many dogs coming and going and potentially new ones uh, all the time, dog fights can unfortunately happen. So for you, the pet sitter, it is essential to know the difference between play fighting and aggressive fighting, which is something I know a lot of owners don't know, and they become overly concerned with photos that you send that you know that it's just play fighting, but they may see it as overly aggressive. So this is all about reading the dog's body language here. Um, does it have its fur raised on its back of its neck? How is its tail acting? Is it cowering? Is it licking its lips? Is it maybe has an over-exaggerated yawn and continues to turn away with flattened ears? That tail is will tell you so much. If it's standing straight out, if it's flickering, the, the whale eye, I, I think, is also really telling here. This is where the dog will turn its head, but its eye will actually still be keeping a lookout for it. We've all seen this, where the dog will 
pretend to look to the left, but its eye is way over here looking at what it thinks or perceives as the threat is. As you're reading this, this body language of the dogs while you're seeing them interact, or maybe during that first introduction of the new dog to the group that you have that day, you're looking to distract, you're looking to redirect to slowly integrate them. You have to remember that if a fight does break out, you should not, you should never get in the middle of it. That will not end well for you or your body. Right. It's a great way to send yourself to the ER very, very quickly. Um, it's, it's, though, it's our first instinct, though. We see two dogs fighting. We want to reach in and pull them apart. But many times they may turn on you unintentionally because they're in the middle of a fight and all of a sudden something comes up behind them and grabs them. Their first instinct is to turn around and grab back. So you absolutely cannot do that. Have tools on hand, uh, things like dog sprays uh, to spray on both dogs during the fight, because what we're really trying to do here is we're trying to just get one second of a distraction that's enough for them to let go and focus on something else for you to safely enter, for you to safely separate the dogs and and get them pulled away from each other. You can also consider using loud air horns uh, to distract them as well. Um, some I've, we've seen this happen. Uh, some people will throw a large blanket on top of a dog. Again, it's disorienting to them and it's uncomfortable for them and they'll let go and try and focus on something else. Another one of your first instincts that you're going to have to fight here is frantically yelling and screaming at them. All that does to the dog is say, yeah, you're right. This is a fight. Let's all get in on this. There's yelling and it, it continues to heighten the situation. You're speaking in very direct clear commands and not frantically or trying to scream over the dogs. If an altercation like this does occur, you immediately have to get the dog separated and make sure everybody is safe. Then you have to call the owner of both dogs and notify them of what happened clearly and precisely, and then determine whether you need to take the dogs to seek medical attention and then do that as safely as you can. If you are providing daycare services five days a week or especially seven days a week, Burnout can really happen and it can happen pretty fast. Daycares are exhausting, at least for some people. (laughs) There is constant motion and the transitions of drop-offs and pickups, especially if it's in your home, always constantly having your home clean, tidied, picked up, making sure all the dogs are fine, taken care of, not darting out the door when there is a pickup or drop-off. If you do decide to do daycares five days a week, really take the weekends to breathe clean and relax. And if you do daycare seven days a week, use the off times to do that as well. Have strict times of pick up and drop off so that you are not overworking yourself. You're not running yourself ragged, but you are instead using the time that the dogs are with you to focus on the dogs. And then when they're not with you to focus on yourself and your business. If you provide daycares, let us know. Send us an email at feedback at Pet Center Confessional or get connected with us on social media. This week, Natasha answers the question, how can I best step away from my business so that I can have more personal time? I'm looking to start stepping away from daily operations in my business, but I'm really scared. What do I do? Embrace the fear because where we're afraid, we can grow. I will tell you from my experience, Natasha Banyan, owner of Walker, Grenzo and Ruby, stepping away from your business is the best thing you can do for yourself your family and your team. It is literally amazing to be able to look back and say, God damn it, girl, you did it. You put this thing together. 
You made it happen. And you know what? You can sit back now and really enjoy and nurture. I always just look at the risk. You know, what if something happens to me? What if something happens to my kids? What if something happens to my bones? You know, what if I have back aches? What if, you know, my toe breaks? These are all things that are real life scenarios that we have to have system in place that allows us to walk away. I always tell everyone that you are just the idea. The owner is the idea. You are not the operation. Your business should be operating without you. That is my hardcore true belief that if you do not operate a business unless you are operating outside of it. That's just my belief. So make sure, take a nap. We do this in my eight week course. (laughs) We say, take a nap today. Turn your phone off for one hour. Turn it off for two hours. Turn it off for three hours. How did everything go? If there was tons of fires to put out, perfect. Those are all policies that we get to write up. But if everything went well, great. Another day with my business operating without me. You have to start preparing it to operate without you because one day you will not be there. And you don't want all your good efforts to go to waste the moment you step off, you know? You want, I mean, if your goals are generational wealth and legacy and things like that, that means stuff to a lot of business owners. You want to make sure all the hard work you're putting in will mean something when you're long and gone. The short game is never going to get us anywhere. The short game is going to get us burnt out. The long game is going to get us enjoying what we started. And if you want it to mean something, I mean, just go, like I said, just go through your email list. Just go through your text messages. Look at all the things that someone may have needed or asked. Put that all into place. And now they no longer need you because now there's a whole little software they can go to that answers all those questions. And then people say, I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, you have to put time management in your business. Because if I was sitting here doing data entry, which a lot of my clients do, they take their software and then they're doing data entry after that. Like if a client can't book from A to Z and now you got to go in and do extra stuff, that's all time management. That's really unnecessary. So there's so many little nuggets within our business that our business does not need us. As you guys know, I'm in Texas. My business is in Washington, D.C. Our business does not need us. Trust me. And I love when they don't need me. They tell me to go sit down. <laughs> They're like, go sit down, girl. We got this. And I'm like, okay. You know, in the beginning, I was like a little bit offended. Like, what do you mean? This is my business. They were like, we got this. You told us what to do. You've given us this, this, all the things. Go sit down. Go go have your babies. That's what they tell me. They're rude. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, fine. But it's to also take that pride knowing like a parent, right? It's like, okay, I've nurtured you. I've given you all the tactics and and everything to do. And now you're off to college. It's kind of like you want to look at it that way. You don't have to hold on to your child, your baby, you know, from, from childhood to adulthood. You have to be willing to put things in place where you are the teacher and you let it go. If you'd like Natasha to be your personal pet business coach, you can head on over to startscalesale.com and use the code PSC20 for 15% off her services. We are so grateful you took your time today in listening to this episode. Please let us know if you have any questions or comments, and we would love to get connected with you on Instagram and Facebook at Pets That Are Confessional. We also have a phone number if you'd like to call us and leave us a voicemail. We always love getting those. 636-364-8260. 
And thank you so much for subscribing in whatever podcast player you are using. We really appreciate that. And if you're on Apple Podcasts and you feel like we've deserved it, please leave us a review there. We thank you so much again. Talk to you next time. Bye.